Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Well, not long to go before we find out what is happening about the Sightseed Dam project. Premier John Horgan has called a news conference for tomorrow morning where he will announce a decision. Whichever way uh, the verdict goes, it is no likely going to be uh, controversial. We'll bring in our Keith Baldry on this now. Uh, Keith, uh, I believe you have some exclusive details on which mm-hmm. way this is going to go. Yeah, I talked to a couple of senior uh, government officials over the weekend. I can tell you the dam is going to proceed. It will be completed. The NDP making a difficult decision. Uh, And, of course, John Horgan, the premier, never promised that they would kill the dam, rather just sending the dam to the B.C. Utilities Commission for further study. Uh, But the decision has been made Uh, tomorrow over here at the legislature. John Horgan and a couple of his cabinet ministers will gather in the legislature library rotunda, the exact same spot where Christy Clark announced the, the project would actually go ahead a number of years ago. I'm sure the irony is deliberate here. Uh, it's going to be controversial, uh, but again, this has basically had become apparent over the last few days that the signs were pointing to yes, and I can tell you, confirming with a couple of uh, several senior people in government, that it is indeed a decision to proceed with the construction of the dam, despite the many people who have protested that very uh, decision. All right, so no doubt there's going to be a reaction to that. Not long to go, as we said. Uh, I do believe mm-hmm. that Green Leader Andrew Reaver, he's also been talking about this, so what has he been saying? Well, today he sent something out on Twitter suggesting that uh, there should be a recall campaign against Energy Minister Michelle Mungle uh, because of the decision to proceed with the dam, if that indeed was the decision. Uh, The problem with that, recall can't even begin until 18 months have lapsed between the time the government was sworn in and uh, when recall can uh, uh, take effect. So we're talking November 2018 before something like that could happen. So I don't think Ms. Mungle's uh, seat would be in jeopardy of this. But Weaver's reaction, I think, is typical of what you're going to see over the next few days. A lot of People are going to be upset with this decision. A lot of environmental activists have been fighting this dam for some time. But there's also going to be a lot of relief in the business community and in those trade unions whose members are going to be performing a lot of the jobs in the Sightsee Dam over the next number of years. So a very controversial decision. We've been waiting for it a long time, but it gets the green light tomorrow. All right. Thank you very much for those exclusive details. Thank you, Keith. Uh, Keith Baldry reporting for us there. Now, new details tonight about how exposure to carbon monoxide on a Delta farm led to over 40 workers being sent to hospital. They were working in the greenhouse at the time. Some of them described as critical by the time they got to hospital. There are questions now on how this all happened in the first place. Grace Key reports. All 42 workers are back home tonight, but just what caused them to be exposed to carbon monoxide at Delta's Winset Farms is still under investigation. Farm workers were pressure washing the inside of the greenhouse, getting it ready for new plants when some reported feeling dizzy. The crew themselves noticed that there was uh, something going on, Uh, they weren't feeling well, and uh, so uh, our supervisors immediately took action and and evacuated the, uh, the greenhouse. Saturday afternoon, the call came in as a mass casualty incident with 13 ambulances and one transit bus dispatched. 
Ten patients were listed in serious to critical condition. The rest were sent to various hospitals as a precaution. Our paramedics uh, isolated very quickly several patients that need to be transported more rapidly than uh, some of the other ones, and so they did so, and they engaged all of the protocols very well. Co-owner John Newell says they've been pressure washing greenhouses for the past two decades this time of year without incident. They have a high-tech mechanical ventilation system and records will show where the vents were set. It could be key in determining if poor ventilation was a problem. Most of the greenhouses that grow vegetables grow in this style of greenhouse and they're very well vented greenhouses but we don't know where the vents were set at, at this time so that's what we're going to be looking at with WorkSafe. WorkSafe BC uh begins its investigation and they will be uh, interviewing witnesses, they will be uh, interviewing the employer, they will looking thoroughly into what happened and, and the cause of it. In recent years, BC saw one of the worst agricultural accidents in 2008. Three workers died in an enclosed space at a Langley mushroom farm after breathing in toxic fumes that came off a compost mixture. The co-owner of Winset Farms say they will be looking over their protocols to make sure this doesn't happen again. Workers are doing fine. Everyone's home. They're uh, they're all they're all healthy and, and and safe and sound. And that's our major concern. And and uh, we 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 take a lot of pride in, in making sure that we have a safe working environment. Grace Key, Global News. A fire on Vancouver Island has led to three homes being destroyed. There are fears also that one person may have died. This happened in Cumberland early yesterday. Flames starting in one home. They quickly spread to homes on either side. There was a person in the first home that is missing. The coroner's office has been called in to investigate. A mother and daughter managed to get out of one of the other homes safely. Uh, and it is not known at this stage how this fire started. A cab driver refusing to drive a passenger home because he felt the journey was too far has reheated the big debate on getting Uber into Vancouver. The driver was suspended by the company he worked for. And as Tanya Beja reports, this isn't the first time a cab driver's said no. You don't want to drive me because it's too far? Too far, man. Right, because you're not going to make that much money? Yeah. Kuldeep Gill wanted a ride from downtown Vancouver Friday night when a cab driver told him it was too far. So you don't want to take me home from downtown Vancouver to New Westminster because you're not going to make enough money. I want to make it clear that the driver is suspended until this investigation is finished. and that time, I will determine whether termination is needed. According to BC's Taxi Bill of Rights, drivers can refuse a fare when they feel threatened or if a passenger declines to pay up front when asked. But Gill's video strikes a chord with others who say they've been left behind for living too far. I was downtown with friends. We had missed the night bus to go home and the Sky Train had stopped running. So we had actually physically gotten into the cab and we said, we're going to Port Moody. And he said, no, get out. Cabbies say like, oh yeah, no, sorry. I've found someone else on the way and I'm just... I left me in the dust. The difficulty getting home is prompting renewed calls for ride sharing. Uber, Lyft, anything just to be able to get a ride in the cold. <laughs> it's ridiculous. There's no other city in which I work that doesn't have Uber or Lyft available. We were in Vegas and Uber's big over there and it was the best thing. 
it really it works well. Where to? The provincial government hired an expert to study ride sharing. His report is due in the new year and any recommendations will likely take months to implement. In the meantime, Yellow Cab wants passengers who are left in the cold to keep track of the cab that turned them away. Note the number. It's in five places on every taxi in the province. It starts with the letter of the company. Okay, you can jump up here. No, not quite here. As for this driver, Yellow Cab says he claims the video is not an accurate depiction of events. The company is now investigating. Tanya Beja, Global News. Residents of a Westside apartment building say they've been left shivering without heat for close to two weeks now and little is being done to fix the problem. People living in at least four of the suites in the old Laurelhurst apartments, this is at 12th, and Hemlock say that they've been in the cold since November the 29th. Now the landlord has been promising repairs but nothing has changed. This while the building is advertising vacant suites. Uh, the, uh, the owners have offered a reduced rent next month but the Chile residents say it's just another example of what they have to face in such a tight rental market. I don't think that they're doing this. I don't think they're being vindictive or like malevolent or anything at all. It's just I feel like if it was easier for us to get up and leave, maybe the problem would have been fixed faster. Abbotsford police taking no chances when they received a call this afternoon about a gun being pulled in a dispute between a landlord and a tenant. It happened on a home on McCallum Road just before two o'clock. Police say a tenant produced what appeared to be a handgun and pointed it at the head of the landlord. APD officers arrived in force and then took a 20-year-old man into custody. They also seized what ended up being a BB gun, but they had to treat it as a real weapon. In the end, no one was injured. Some Kelowna residents being forced to be extra careful after a series of mailboxes were broken into. Jules Knox has a warning now about identity theft and what you can do to keep your ma mail safe this season. I was absolutely astonished. Canada Post stopped delivering to Lorna Soderling after her mailbox was broken into mid-November. For the last three weeks, she's been making the trek downtown to pick up her Christmas cards and letters. Quite frankly, I don't think it should be taking weeks and weeks to deal with this. Soderling isn't the only one. Many of her neighbours have been broken into as well. And an email from the village manager in Gallagher's Canyon warned that one resident reported the personal information gained by thieves was used to apply for credit cards. Well, that's something you never think of. And um, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. If there are issues, please contact the RCMP. The mailbox theft prompted neighbor Don Crisanti to take precautions. He contacted his local bank to make sure his information is still safe. It puts you on edge a little bit, knowing how quick and easy uh, they can compromise personal information. Crisanti says part of his problem is not knowing what might have been stolen. Some mail has been missing, but we don't know exactly. Everything's been missing because you don't always know what you're going to get at this time of year. In a statement, Canada Post said RCMP are investigating and it apologized to customers who need to temporarily pick up their mail. It also said it's working to return affected customers to regular service. To help prevent identity fraud, Canada Post recommends collecting your mail daily and holding your mail when you're out of town. It also says if you move, make sure you change your address with all of your financial institutions. As for neighbours here, they're just hoping that as Christmas draws closer, Canada Post will find a fix. I want it solved soon. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna.
Now, the Grinch is known for stealing Christmas, but now the Grinch has apparently stolen the Grinch. Carmen Bax says a thief stole a hundred-pound display of the popular Dr. Seuss character from in front of her Port Moody home on Thursday night. Now, the display had an iron bar and a bucket of concrete attached to it for this very reason. She says it's ironic somebody would steal the Grinch so close to Christmas, but says if they have a change of heart, she will gladly take it back. No questions asked. Still ahead tonight, skating on thin ice in Calgary. How warm weather, which is really unusual at this time of year, is putting some people on the edge. And the latest on the violence in Jerusalem as Palestinians and Israelis continue to clash. Now, it's typically one of the coldest cities in the country this time of year, but Calgary is seeing record-breaking warm temperatures. That is creating some problems. The winter attire lays discarded in Calgary. T-shirts now come into vogue on the few remaining outdoor skating rinks. Too hot for December. For Christmas being like 10 days away or whatever, 20 days, it's, it's just not right. I don't know. It, it feels weird. Josh Alston spent most of Sunday morning roaming through Calgary on his quest for some outdoor ice. And half of them are melted and the other half are just, just not even flooded. It's, it's crazy. Over at Carburn Park, skating is not the wisest choice. Carburn is one of seven outdoor rinks maintained by the city of Calgary. None are open now except Olympic Plaza. Glenn White traded in his skates for an electric unicycle on Sunday. It's amazing, uh, sort of the global warming thing, I guess, eh? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're supposed to be in for a really harsh winter this year. So we'll, we'll see, I guess. In Kananaskis country, south of Calgary, firefighters managed to contain a wildfire that grew to about eight hectares, just west of Highway 22 in the MD of Ranchland. There were no injuries and no structures were lost. At Windsport, snowmaking has been shut down since Wednesday. They can't make snow unless it's minus two or colder. We have a really good base, and uh, to our advantage, it was cold for that week back in November. We got a really good base down, and then we just top it up whenever we can. So really, it's like spring-like conditions in December. Confederation Park golf course is normally filled with cross-country skiers. Instead, the ground is brown with a thick layer of sand to keep people from tumbling on the ice as they stroll through the lion's light display. I don't really like it that much. I prefer when there's snow on the ground because you can toboggan. I just want it to snow for Christmas because we go to our own opas and we build snow forts. Instead of tobogganing, it's picnicking for Robbie Singh and his family. This, this is a break for us. Every year I build a snow dog. This year I didn't get a chance to do that. Winter doesn't even kick in until December 21st, so odds are we'll have plenty of time to get caught up on snow sculptures and sledding. Carolyn Curry, De Castillo, Global News. Well, a very different weather picture on the Atlantic coast. 15 to 20 centimetres of snow falling overnight over many parts of New Brunswick, knocking out power to more than 2,500 customers, snow plows and snow lovers, of course, were out in full force. Tensions are still running high in the Middle East as clashes between protesters and police continue. This all started after President Trump said he recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Jeff Semple brings us the latest. Well, it was another violent day here, but this time in West Jerusalem on the Israeli side, where an Israeli security guard was stabbed, allegedly by a Palestinian man who was arrested at the scene, that security guard taken to hospital in serious condition. Stabbing attacks like that 
are not uncommon here. More than 50 Israelis have been killed in similar attacks over the past couple of years. But this is the first such terror attack to come in the wake of Donald Trump's declaration on Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. But elsewhere here, it has to be said, things were pretty quiet. No large clashes the likes that we'd seen over the past few days. Perhaps a sign that the anti-Trump backlash from the Palestinians is beginning to cool. But the political rhetoric is now heating up. Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, met today with the French president, Emmanuel Macron, a man who has vocally opposed Donald Trump's Jerusalem decision. But Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, defended Jerusalem as Israel's capital, telling Macron he can read about it in the Bible. It's always been our capital. And Jerusalem has never been the capital of any other people. I think the sooner the Palestinians come to grips with this reality, the sooner we'll move towards peace. Some Palestinian leaders have called on Macron and France to replace the United States as the mediator in peace talks here. But today, Emmanuel Macron said he's not going to do that, at least not yet. He plans to wait for the United States, for Donald Trump, to present a new peace proposal expected in the new year. Jeff Semple, Global News, Jerusalem. A Toronto woman who survived the atomic bombing of Hiroshima helped accept the Nobel Peace Prize today. 85-year-old Setseko Thurlow was 13 years old when the U.S. dropped one of two bombs on Japan near the end of the Second World War. She joined the executive director of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, which was given the Peace Prize this year. Its campaign was behind a treaty signed by 53 countries, none of which are actual nuclear powers. From cancer to homelessness, one man in Edmonton is sharing his emotional story of hardship and redemption. He says he had given up all hope until he heard an iconic song. Global's Sarah Krause explains. Robert LaRondell's fascination with Michael Jackson started four years ago in a downtown coffee shop when Man in the Mirror came on the radio. It was just right at that line when, when Michael's like, Take a look at yourself and make a change. That one line just, you know, clicked within me. At the time, LaRondell was homeless and abusing alcohol. But here I am choosing, you know, this high-risk lifestyle of drinking and living on the street and putting my own personal health at risk. He sought help at the Hope Mission. Soon after, he saw a poster advertising a Christmas talent show and decided to perform as MJ. It went off with, without a hitch and... Like I said, I just got hooked right after. Since then, LaRondell's done more than 100 shows across the prairies. Being Métis, he takes pride in performing for First Nations groups. To get a chance to go visit other communities that may not, that may not be able to get the opportunity to see like a Michael Jackson impersonator show means the world to them. And it still does. Like I get messages saying, hey, are you going to come back to Fox Lake? He won't be. LaRondell overcame leukemia three times as a child and had two stem cell transplants. It severely damaged his lungs. Recently, his health took a turn for the worse. He made his final performance in front of 1,500 people at the Shaw Conference Center. And just make it special for them and create memories for them and be like, and have them say, wow. I met a guy here in Edmonton that 
dances and looks just like Michael Jackson. And he was the coolest thing ever. At 24, he likes the man he now sees in the mirror, but he's forced to hang up his jackets unless his health improves. In a heartbeat, I'd be back. Sarah Krause, Global News. Now, if you want to get your Christmas list to Santa, you're going to have to hurry. Tomorrow is the deadline to mail Santa a letter in time to get a response for Christmas. Santa's elves, we checked in with them at Canada Post, uh, say it's easy enough to do. All you have to do is include your full address, your wish list, and mail it to, I don't know whether you've got this address, Santa Claus, North Pole. The postal co code is H-O-H-O-H-O, which is, of course... Ho, ho, ho. I already sent my letter along. Oh, you have? Was yeah. it short or was it really long? <laughs> it was quite long. Was it quite long? Oh, right. <laughs> it's very telling. Yeah, I've always wondered how they always delivered all the toys, and I mm -hmm. realized I guess they, they don't take coffee breaks. No. And that's why they can get all the toys done for the... Right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now you know. All right, we're going to find out what's happening in sport in a second. But uh, weather-wise, too early to predict right. a white Christmas. If Santa was to yep. be traversing the skies tonight, mm -hmm. he'd be looking at beautiful skies, actually. Uh, what a beautiful weekend it was. Finally a relief from the fog. Of course, we did have some foggy patches. A lot of it did uh, burn off throughout the day. And finally, we had this special weather feature that moved in. It's been bringing active weather to some parts of the province, but it's been breaking things up for us very nicely. What a gorgeous nightscape that is, huh? So nice. Um, still potential for fog in the forecast. I'll show you why coming up, but it's certainly not going to be as intense as it was last week. And then a big weather pattern change. It's going to be late week. I'll tell you about that coming up. All right, brilliant. Okay, I think Santa does take booze breaks though because we'd always leave a little drink with the cookies. You didn't uh, have to do that. I don't know if I got news. Oh, right. Maybe that's it was not just Santa. Maybe that's why get, I don't get enough. His elves are allowed. <laughs> giving him. Uh, anyway. All right. Okay. You can so, talk about um, Santa's uh, drinking all night. But anyway, we're going to talk about uh, Seahawks. Uh, had a big chance in Jacksonville. They, you know, the games are so important in December, and uh, I thought they were going to pull this one out, but just came short. So we have highlights of that. Big day in the NFL and uh, some hockey for you, some Olympic curling. Our curlers, big curling, of course, Canada's mm. big curling country. The Olympic qualifiers determine today who's going to represent us in uh, South Korea. So we'll have that too. All right. And it's been snowing in the UK, so the soccer games probably were a little affected. Uh, that, there were, I noticed there were a few uh, flurries yeah? and flakes. Yes. All right. Okay. All of that coming up. Plus, a Vancouver institution that is closing its doors. Why? Nick's. Uh, Spaghetti House, this is on Commercial Drive, is saying farewell after 50 years. And this story, celebrities around the world sending heartfelt messages of support to a victim of bullying. We'll tell you what happened here as well. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, a Tennessee boy's tearful video about bullying has gone viral, prompting an outpouring of support from around the world. Just out of curiosity... Why do they bully? What, what's the point of it? Why do you find joy in taking innocent people and finding a way to be mean to them? It is very emotional to watch in the video posted to Facebook by his mum with her son's permission. Uh, he's sobbing and Keaton is describing the bullying he's had to put up with at school. He says he's afraid to go to lunch because bullies have been pouring milk on him, uh, putting ham down his clothes and calling him ugly. Keaton's mum says the video was her son's idea. Uh, now he's received tons of messages of support from celebrities and athletes. Put milk on me and put him down my clothes right at me. Is it just you? Yep. Or is it other kids too that feel that way? 
say it so they're good too. And how's that make you feel? I don't like that they do it to me and I for sure don't like that they do it to other people because not okay. People that are different don't need to be criticized about it because it's not their fault. But if you are made fun of, just don't, don't let it bother you. Just stay strong, I guess. It's hard. But it'll probably get better one day. Hoping that video makes it stop. Uh, now, a groundbreaking new study out of the U.S. is challenging the way parents approach their toddlers' so-called temper tantrums. The research appears to show many young children are actually suffering from depression. I don't want to go to my room. It looks like any two-and-a-half-year-old meltdown, but Vicki Harper's daughter, Myla, would sometimes have epic tantrums. I don't want to see a picture now. They would be very long in length. Um, easily 30, 45 minutes, oh, wow. um, screaming, yelling. Vicki found help at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis and learned that long and frequent tantrums can be a sign of depression. In a lab here, they're teaching the parents to help children label and identify their emotions. Studies show as many as 300,000 preschoolers have depression and are at risk of having it all through their lives. The hope is that if you identify it early, and start treating it early, you can make it better? Yes, that's the hope, and that you might change a lifelong trajectory. Luby and her colleague Deanna Barch found children with depression have physical differences. The idea, rewire the brain as it develops. People might say, why label a kid so young? The benefits of early identification and early intervention far outweigh the stigma. We would never say, don't diagnose a speech and language disorder in a three-year-old. Wait until they're 10. I mean, no one would ever do that. I can't do it. After 36 weeks in the study, Vicki now has tools to help Myla. She makes sure they spend special time together. I'm glad you kept looking and didn't give up. I know. Sometimes people give up. She says Myla is a different kid now, and she's a different mom. She's just a special kid, and now more people can see that. Now, if you've lived in Vancouver for a few years, chances are you've eaten at the legendary Nick's Spaghetti House on Commercial Drive. But like so many things from old Vancouver, that too is about to disappear. As Nitu Gacha reports, the reason all too familiar. From the red and white checkered tablecloths to the photos on the walls. Over the years, not a lot has changed at this East End Vancouver restaurant, and that's why people have been loving it for more than six decades. The last probably 20 years I've been coming here. It's nothing like a good traditional old school Italian place that does it right the first time. From the food and the feel, this restaurant has served families for generations. Just part of the heritage, like it's been here for so long and it's like a landmark. But on December 21st, Nick's Spaghetti House will be serving its classic meatballs and red sauce for the last time. The building was bought, so another restaurant is coming in here. And yeah, so we've been told to leave. Opened in 1955, this neighborhood favorite forced to close its doors, leaving 13 people without jobs this holiday season. The news still hard to digest. Not just because we're losing our job, because we're a family. To end is going to break my heart. And... Uh to see the history of Vancouver changing 
you know, the old school is is never forgotten in my heart. Now the lineup spread down the block as people try to get in before it's too late. Had to come down before they close. It's too bad that they're closing. Staff say to stand outside and see another restaurant in this corner won't be easy to swallow. I guess it's just a new beginning for people and they'll have to find another place. And for a place where everything from decor and recipes has stayed the same for decades, unexpected change is hard. But moving on will be easier knowing this little Italian eatery is sure to leave a big legacy. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Vancouver. Coming up, filling hearts set in bellies why a family-run restaurant in Langley turns away paying customers for those in need. Stay with us. Join Global News Morning and Rock 101 as we broadcast live from the 30th annual Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast. Come donate an unwrapped toy and help make this Christmas a little brighter for families across the Lower Mainland. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Welcome back. So a family restaurant in Langley closed its doors to customers last night, but it was all for very good reason. Owners of the Karma restaurant opening up for the less fortunate instead. And as you can see, it was a packed house. They got quite the response. Uh, they were dishing out hot meals for hundreds of people, uh, funding the dinner out of their own pockets. And after seeing such a great response to this idea, they have decided to do this every month. This dinner is really about loving on them and serving them a place to call home, yes. have a great meal. People are really having a hard time, you know. Life is really hard and sometimes you just need to have that support and uh, see how they can be helped further. Mm, Kasha, that is what I love at this time. This time of year, this province is so good at giving to the needy. Yeah, yeah we've been really seeing good. so many stories like that lately. Yes, no, loving brilliant. It. That's what it's about, right? Um, the weather, um, that fog has disappeared now, has it? Or For the it? most part. Yeah. For the most part. We did see some patchy fog through the day today, especially more southerly portions south of Vancouver. We saw it. Uh, and still a potential for redevelopment of that fog through the evening hours into tomorrow. Talk about that. Uh, but in the meantime, isn't this just a beautiful, glorious night right across the province? It looks great. Just some cloudy periods. Temperature sitting at three. By the way, we reached a daytime high of nine at YVR today, which is pretty impressive above seasonal and warmer than it has been for some time. It was a gorgeous day also through Kelowna. This was taken on Water Street. Look at all that sunshine that they saw. Though it was brisk, albeit on the gusty side, they were a little more lucky than our friends in Invermere. Natalie Ruby sent this in. This is her daughter Maya and her team uh, in Invermere on Lake Windermere. A little on the cloudy side through the East Kootenays, but they'll take that over this. So a chance that we could be seeing more fog in the forecast. By the way, this was yesterday, uh, but... One feature that's preventing the fog to stick around and to be as intense as it was last week is this. This is an offshore low. It is going to be, it is impacting us, uh, east, western portions of the island. Just some spotty showers there. But the true target, the real target, is our friends to the far north. See this, this huge southerly flow, this plume of moisture. Uh, but it's the extreme far north that's see, seeing the precipitation in the form of rain, by the way. But no, we're all protected. Most of the province is protected by a blocking high. And that could 
continues to be the, the trend for some time. So have a look at your future cast. There's the high pressure, uh, eastern portions of the province, and then there's that uh, precipitation in the yellow. That's where we, we're seeing the heavier precipitation, and it continues to impact the far north for some time. Note this is a short wave trough. This is going to be zipping across the province come Tuesday. Won't be bringing us precipitation, but what? It will be bringing us some more cloud cover. But it's, it's going to be a different type of cloud cover. You'll see. Cloudy, but definitely no precipitation for some time. Meanwhile, to the far north, look at this. It's going to be a high of 12 in Fort St. John and the BC Peace. That is 20 degrees above seasonal. Look at that. That's as a result of that ridge of high pressure there. We still do have that temperature inversion. Very, very warmer temperatures aloft. Uh, Whitehorse also well above seasonal. Tonight, a chance of seeing some wet flurries, by the way. A little bit of precipitation associated with that low from the Pacific. North Coast, you get a break from the precipitation tomorrow. Then it ramps back up on your Tuesday into Wednesday as well, I'm afraid. So it's going to be a little on the wet side for you, but mild. Through the caribou in the interior, nice and uh, settled for the next few days. Just a little cloud cover to contend with, but nothing to complain about, really. Uh, we do have overcast conditions uh, for you through the Columbia and the Kootenays. This is low-level valley cl uh, cloud yet again, but then upper levels... Through the Alpine on Monday, at least, you're going to be seeing the sunshine. So not bad to hit the slopes. Meanwhile, Thompson and Okanagan, a very similar forecast to what we're seeing through the, uh, through the Kootenays. Whistler, a beautiful forecast. Temperatures right around where they should be, a sun cloud mix. And the island even looks great for tomorrow. Up and down the island, a sun cloud mix and temperatures even slightly above seasonal. Next five days look like this for Metro Vancouver and Sonia. It's not until late week that we begin to see a pattern change. And then we're going to start to see the rain move. In, but we'll keep an eye out for that. We will do. Kasia, will. thanks very much for that. All right. Uh, next up, another big name, uh, gig, big game even for the Seahawks. Um, how close are they to getting into the playoffs? Barry will break all of that down for us in a couple of minutes. All right, lots of sports to talk about. And uh, so it's a really big game for the Seahawks today. Yeah, you know, it's getting down the stretch run, and uh, yep. it's been nice to have a victory today, but. Didn't quite happen. Oh. All right. Thanks, Sonia. The uh, Seahawks have played their best football over the past few years in December. As the playoffs get closer, the Seahawks step it up. But today in Jacksonville, more key injuries on defense were just too much to overcome. Bobby Wagner and Earl Thomas went down today, joining Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, who are both out for the season. So four of the Seahawks' best playmakers on defense all out. As a result, the Jags took advantage, put up 30 points in a 30-24 victory. Seahawks offense has been notorious for slow starts this season. That was the case again. No points in the first half. Russell Wilson intercepted here in the end zone. Just 3-0 at the half for the Jags. Seattle, no success moving the ball. Third quarter, Jaguars get the first touchdown of the game. Blake Bortles to D.D. Westbrook. Nice touch pass by Bortles. 18-yard touchdown, and the Jags are up 10-0. Hawks did get a field goal, then recovered a fumble on the ensuing kickoff. That set up this Russell Wilson to Doug Baldwin touchdown. Ten quick Seahawk points. They're back in it, tied at 10. But Jacksonville answers right back, and we mean right away. First play on their next possession, Bortles, perfect pass, hits Keelan Cole in stride, takes it all the way for the touchdown, 75 yards, big momentum swing, 17-10 Jags. And then later in the third, Jaden Mickens on the punt return, scoops it up and then gets going like he shot out of a cannon. He could go all the way, but he is brought down at the one, the Jags did punch it in for the TD a play later. 24-10 Jags. Seahawks reeling a bit. Fourth quarter, though, Seattle mounts the rally. Wilson with a missile-like pass here 
to Paul Richardson. Nice little juke move there, and Richardson takes it in for the touchdown. 61 yards, made it 27-17. And then later in the fourth, Wilson lets it fly again, and this time Tyler Lockett is behind coverage. 74-yard touchdown, 17th TD pass in the fourth quarter for Wilson. Sets a new single-season record, and this is just game 13. That's an NFL record, 30-24. Hawks get the ball back with three to go. Can Wilson weave more magic? Fourth and nine, pass incomplete. Now, the Seahawks wanted a holding penalty right there on Paul Richardson. Pete Carroll not happy. But Seattle falls short 30-24, so they drop to 8-5. and five. So with that loss, a chance for the Rams to take a two-game lead in the NFC West. But the 10-2 and two Eagles in town, this was an epic shootout. Carson Wentz goes 11 yards for the touchdown to Trey Burton. 21-7 Eagles. But the Rams roar back with a big play on special teams. They block the punt here. Blake Countess takes it in for the touchdown. 28-24 Rams. Eagles respond, though. Take another look at that block. Carson Wentz. What a pass on fourth down to Alshon Jeffrey, who makes a tremendous catch. Somehow keeps that ball off the turf. Jeffrey, one of the best receivers in the NFL. 31-28 Eagles. But Wentz forced to leave with a knee injury. This play actually happened a play before that touchdown pass. Stayed in the game, but he hurt his knee there and he had to go. We're not sure how serious. But veteran Nick Foles came on in relief. Led a couple of drives that led to field goals. And then Foles with a clutch pass on third down. Jeffrey with another uh, allegory out there at the catch. The Eagles win at 43-35. Clinched the East at 11-2. Rams are 9-4. They visit the Seahawks in a big showdown next Sunday in Seattle. Another epic NFC battle. 10-2 Vikings at the 8-4 Panthers. Third quarter, Cam Newton scrambling, backpedaling, and off his back foot. Fires it to Devin Funches. 18-yard touchdown, 21-13 Panthers. The Vikings were down 10 in the fourth, but Case Keenum to Adam Thielen. And Thielen shows why he is one of the best in the league. What a run after the catch. 52-yard touchdown. Vikings come back to tie it at 24. But Cam Newton doing what he does best, using his feet. Just over two minutes to go, and this gallop up the middle. A 62-yard run in the late stages led to the winning touchdown, and the Panthers knock off the Vikings 31-24. So Carolina now 9-4, and tied for first with New Orleans in the NFC South. Vikings drop to 10-3. and And one more, the Packers need to win their final four to have any chance of the playoffs visiting the 0-12 Browns. Pack were down 14 in the fourth quarter but got one touchdown. And then with 17 seconds left, Brett Hundley to Devontae Adams ties it up at 21. In overtime, same combination. Hundley to Adams, 25 yards this time, and the Packers survive 27 21. Aaron Rodgers could be back next week. They're 7 and 6, still with a chance to make the postseason. The Browns 0 and 13. Cape Town 7s, Canada playing for the Cup, beat France convincingly 35 7 in the quarters against Argentina in the semis. Connor Breda Victoria races in for the try, and Canada led 12 7 at the half. Argentina took the lead in the second, and Canada unfortunately couldn't rally, so they lose 14 12 in the semis to Argentina. That meant they took on South Africa, the hosts in the bronze match. Nathan Hirayama of Richmond, Canada's all-time sevens leading scorer, takes in another, but Canada falls short. They finish fourth. New Zealand won the tournament. 
Still to come, Manchester City and Manchester United renew their storied rivalry in the English Premiership. And the Whitecaps add much-needed scoring by acquiring an MLS veteran. We'll tell you who when we come back. Welcome back. Well, it's official. Kai Kamara is coming to Vancouver. The rumored deal involving the MLS's 10th all-time leading scorer is done. It was announced this morning by the Caps. He is a 33-year-old striker. He scored 103 MLS goals. He had 26 two seasons ago with Columbus when he was an MVP finalist. He's a two-time MLS All-Star, giving the Caps the proven veteran striker this team has sorely lacked. Kamara, the newest member of the Vancouver Whitecaps, he's a player they've targeted for a couple of years now. And they finally got him. Premier League, the derby of all derbies. Man United, Man City, one versus two in the standings. City draws first blood off the first half corner. Lukaku heads it right down to David Silva, who says thank you and punishes the blunder 1-0 for City. But United equalized just a few minutes later. In stoppage time, Marcus Rashford, wonderful finish inside the post. So they're even 1-1 at the break. 55th now. City with the free kick and another defensive miscue from Lukaku. Tries to clear it, but right off a teammate. And right to Nicholas Otamendi, who pounces on it. 2-1 for City. So United not doing themselves any favors. They turned up the heat, pressed hard in the late going. But Ederson with a couple of huge saves in the City goal. They've won 14 in a row, which is an EPL record. They sit atop the standings by 11 over United. The Canucks are in Winnipeg tomorrow to face the Jets, who have one of the best home records in the league at 10-2-1. Sven Berchi flew home after taking a puck in the face yesterday, which tells us it's somewhat serious, maybe a cheekbone or jaw issue. So he joins Horvat and Sutter on the shelf. And, of course, Derek Dorsett was forced to retire. So it's getting mighty lean up front, and that likely cost them some points in that 4-2 loss last night in Calgary. NHL tonight, Oilers at the Maple Leafs. William Nylander and the Leafs get on the board in the opening shift as he puts it back to the point. Jake Gardner's shot tipped in by Zach Hyman, and that slowly trickles through Laurent Brassois. Hyman 6, 1-0 Leafs after 1. Oilers had all sorts of chances. It was like, how couldn't they score? But they didn't. McDavid hits the crossbar, 1-0 the final. Toronto wins it. Canadian Olympic curling trials, the women's final. Rachel Homan of Ontario versus Calgary's Chelsea Carey. Winner goes to the Olympics in February. Homan's a three-time Canadian champ and the defending world champ. Nice quiet takeout for two. Here to take a 5-2 lead through five. Carey had not lost all week, but big pressure in the 10th. Needs to make the double to score two to force an extra end. This is going to be close. She's got one, the other one, but not enough. Just gets one. 6-5 home and wins. So she is off to the Olympics in February representing Canada. Men's final. Winnipeg's Mike McEwen taking on Calgary's Kevin Cooey. McEwen, final shot of the fourth. He's made some big ones. Maybe a bit of a surprise that he's in the final. Doesn't have the resume of some of the others in this field, but a nice double there to take a 3-2 lead in the sixth. McEwen has a very delicate takeout to get at least one, but can't nudge that buried Cooey stone far enough. His shooter rolls too far, so it's a steal of one. Cooey led 5-3, and right now it's 6-5 Cooey in the ninth, so a tight one there to determine the men's rep. NBA Raptors at the Sacramento Kings. Raps came to play in this one. DeMar DeRozan driving to the basket as Toronto jumped out to a 12-0 lead. DeRozan led the way with 25. Serge Ibaka 
was a presence today. They'll need him in the playoffs when it gets time for springtime basketball. 54-46 Toronto at the half. More from Ibaka in the third. Feed from DeRozan and takes it to the cup with force. He had 20. Raptors never really in danger in this one. Kyle Lowry also aggressive going to the basket. He had 15. Raptors now 17-7, and second in the East after their 102-87 win. All right. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Barry. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stay with us. Anytime. <laughs> this is your snow report for Sunday, December the 10th. We have 140 centimeters of snow on the ground at Whistler. Grouse, 175. Sasquatch will be opening up this Friday. At Revelstoke, three new centimeters of snow, 116 altogether. Manning Park has 58 centimeters of snow on the ground, 170 at Powder King. Big White has 105 centimeters of snow, Silver Star 99. And in Apex, you can expect 130 centimeters of snow on the ground. All right, finally tonight, uh, we want to show you the streets of Madrid that were flooded with Santas this morning. It was all for a charity race. It can't be easy doing that. Over 7,000 people braving the heat. Uh, They were raising money for cancer patients. Organizers saying that this...